All right. Well, everybody, welcome back again to another podcast. Um, we have an unusual one today, um, as if the rest of them haven't been unusual, I guess. Um, this was more of a uh, kind of a thing that's been stuck in my craw lately, and I have some opinions about it. And these opinions are, are definitely my opinions of it. They may be your opinions. If they come off a little insensitive, I apologize for that. But I do not apologize for my opinion. And um, we just uh, want you to know it doesn't necessarily support by the podcast or the platform itself. If you're listening on Apple or whatever, um, you know, it's just a, it's our opinion of it. And it's based on sound police principles and um, some experience that uh, we both have gone through and, you know, calling it like I see it. Yeah, to, to your point, you know, these decisions and these opinions of ours, they're, they're made and we have them based on what we've gone through and some of the training we've done and just the things that we've actually experienced in life in person that most people don't. So it, our opinions may line up with your thoughts and your values. Some of them won't. And, and we're not upset if, if you don't agree with us. We're just saying what we think. We're just saying what we believe. So we're not trying to offend anybody. We're just talking about what we've gone through and how we see the world. And in an attempt to possibly shed some light on improvement and to improve the situation as well. For sure, for sure. So the topic today is on uh, the oath of office for a law enforcement officer. When you think about the oath of office, and you've probably seen on your local news when a person is hired in a law enforcement agency of some sort, or even promoted in a law enforcement agency, um, sometimes it looks a little ceremoniously. Um, there may be family and friends and peers there to support you. Sometimes they're there to support you um, because they're also getting promoted or sworn in as an officer. But um, there's usually something ceremonious about it, um, such as the right hand raised and the left hand on a Bible, you know, and some of the key words that you may see in that uh, oath of office are serve and protect, uh, preservation of human life, protect the peaceful against violence or disorder, and words like I take this oath freely and without reservation. Uh, duty bound under the penalty of law every day the badge is pinned on you when you get up in the morning to go to work you're duty bound to uphold the oath of office um, possibly because of penalty of law um, there are even no exceptions uh, they make it clear that natural disasters weather tornado hurricanes uh, are no exception to upholding your oath of office or man-made uh, things like the COVID-19, um, you still have to uphold your oath of office, even when you're faced in situations like COVID-19. Mm. So, you know, these are words that are said in this oath of office. And I wonder sometimes if anybody's listening to the words. I wonder if they understand the words they're saying. I wonder if it strikes a tone. And maybe right then and there, when you're standing there 
and the sheriff or your chief is having you repeat these words that are based on the oath that you will at the end sign underneath that you will uphold those oaths and um oh, sometimes it may strike right then well wait a minute what am i doing here you know am i signing my life away right yeah you pretty much are um so i wonder if anybody pays attention to the word certainly um it may take an incident for you to realize what these words are and and whether or not you upheld that oath of office um and and nobody likes to criticize individuals um independently um but i feel like deficient action needs called out you know we've seen several incidences and you know you have to be careful what's put on the media they do it for the ratings and sometimes it may not be as accurate as it really happened however when your own department and internal reviews and independent investigations reveal that the policies that were in place didn't weren't followed um, that needs to be called out and we need to understand why it happened you know what what made it happen uh, yeah so we think about the oath of office and we we think about some of the things that you you were just talking about and how you know we say these things and you know you got to think back to the roots we or well a lot of places, agencies, companies, they all did an oath because that was that was the official thing. It was an oath and then you signed. And we didn't have like digital signing or all these different bindings that we have now. We had our word and then we had our signature. And so uh, that's why that tradition carries on. But the problem is people have a tendency to not hold on to their word or not be a, a man or woman of their word. And so it causes some, some issues because people forget these things. Now in the moment when people are taking the oath, a lot of people are all giddy. They're all excited because they just like, they just went through a, a tremendous amount of training or something like that, just to get to this one moment. It's like, I have this one thing I got to say and then sign, and then I'm, I'm done. I've made it. I've made my, my goal. So, you know, during the moment, some people don't really, they, they're just repeating words like a pair, but those words hold value. Like they, you are, you are swearing in or affirming if you don't want to swear that, you are going to do the things that you're saying that you're going to do. And so um, I'm in a pretty unique position where I am a military law enforcement officer. So I have the oath of enlistment for the military where I'll follow all the commands of all my people that above me <laughs> to include the president of the United States. And then I also have a military law enforcement um, oath that I have to take. And that is talking about like protecting the uniform code of military justice and enforcing it and doing all these things. I have a couple of oaths that I have to follow and some of them align, but then there's some things that are different. Like what if the president gave me an unlawful order to go, you know, to go do something that I shouldn't do? What am I going to do? You know, puts us in a unique situation, yeah. but usually that's where like common sense is going to come in and kind of 
kind of help you see between the lines on the differences in the two oaths. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack with that, with the oath of office and uh, how serious it is and how people need to take it seriously as well. In the words of the oath, um, the decisions and commands you're given, uh, whether to follow them or not, also have consequences. Now, if I tell you, you know, you say, hey, man, can you loan me 20 bucks? And I'm like, yeah, man, wait, let's wait till uh, pay, payday and I'll, I'll send you 20 bucks and I don't send it. You know, the consequences are you're going to be mad about it. Like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, right. can you do it or not? I was counting on it or this or that. You make a decision based on um, imminent danger and somebody loses their life, you know, and, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind and the first thing that enraged me was the finding that waiting on backup when imminent loss of life, how does that make sense? How are you following your oath of office when you do that? Or even as was revealed um, last week, how do you explain waiting on permission to shoot at a suspect who is on school grounds with a visible rifle. I mean, where did you miss the part in your training where the law covers you for that? You don't have to wait for permission on something like that. I mean, what, how does that honor the oath that you took? Right. Um, now, I've seen some things that are totally Hollywood you know, a movie where a person in a jet fighter encounters a bad guy and he's asking his commander on board the deck, do I have permission to fire upon? And he's like, don't fire upon unless, don't fire unless fired upon, that kind of thing. That may be totally different if that even exists. I don't even know. But we're talking about a situation on the ground where at some point in your training, you have learned that imminent threat of life, you do not need permission to stop that imminent threat. Doesn't mean you have to shoot them, but do something to stop them. If you're so um, concerned that it's a rifle that you have to ask permission, then obviously there's an imminent threat. And that imminent threat, you're covered by the law of every state to act in some manner to stop that threat. Right, right. And so a big, a big gap that I see a lot is training. People don't have training scenarios provided to them for this kind of thing. And there's, um, it, it, it's usually with like lower uh, populated city, police departments and things like that where they don't they don't really have the funds to invest in training and stuff like that I mean I can run through a scenario for free so I don't want to say that there there's an excuse because there's not but the the problem is people don't have that that training to fall back on when something like that happens what they know is their standard or their guideline like I have to call in permission for something like this and they're mixing it with some of the things that are not really, it's not the right situation for that. Like when somebody's actively shooting someone.
you don't need to wait for permission for that. You, you have a duty to protect the people and protect loss of life. And without the training to fall back on it, I, I really don't know how people can make that decision other than just pure common sense and a little bit of like guessing. Like if I had no training and I saw that same situation happen, I'm going to have to use whatever kind of common sense or whatever kind of thought that I have to go on it. And I guess whoever it was thought that they needed to wait for permission. It wasn't the right decision, but in the moment, your mind is racing with all kinds of things. But if you have the training to fall back on, that's when you don't have to worry about making a guess. You have that training. Oh, in this training scenario, I remember having a board meeting with these people, with, with some random people, but then all of a sudden shots, shots were being fired within the conference room. I pulled out my gun and shot the assailant immediately. I didn't ask for permission. That's right. the kind of like training that we're, that I'm talking about. Right, right. And I think that possibly our hiring processes um, might be in play in this. Are we so strapped by need of officers that we overlook some things and maybe training doesn't get handled the way it should? Um, I'm wondering if some of that plays into it. Um, I'm looking at um, someone that makes that decision or doesn't know how to make that decision. Did they just make up that excuse to keep from engaging? Were they scared even? And there is nothing wrong with being scared unless it affects your ability to uphold that oath and to do your job. People should be scared. They should be nervous. They should have a range of emotions, and a lot of times you don't know where those emotions lie in a person until the situation presents itself. But realistically, man, it's happening too often where yeah. people aren't engaging. They aren't doing what they're going to do. Um, yes, we have a lot of people with cameras these days. Everybody's phone has a camera on it. And yes, those cameras are being used to um, be critical of law enforcement and their actions. But we're talking about imminent danger of loss of life. It's the worst possible scenario you could go into. Yep. Uh, for that reason, you know, I just think that there should be no, there should be no um, worries on what gets recorded. If somebody, I mean, tell me which one looks worse: the guy hiding behind the shield in the hallway of a school and not moving or the video of the guy going ahead and trying to stop the threat. What's going to be worse, whether he's thinks he's doing it right or wrong, at least he's making, you know, making an action where they, yeah. you know, where they just scared to go, you know, right. and that brings up other stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I think back to, um, I don't remember which, and this is a problem. I have to think back which school shooting am I trying to reference right now? That's a huge problem, but I digress on that. Um, I think back to, I believe it was uh, the Marjorie Stone, Stoneman shooting, uh, Parkland, whichever one that was in Parkland where the uh, law enforcement officer ran away. Right. There, there was a school shooting happening the law enforcement officer, the school resource officer ran away. 
Yes. Um, you know, I, I try not to be overly critical on people, but that's one of those situations where your oath was supposed to mean something and now it doesn't. Now your word right. doesn't mean anything. And I get it from a certain perspective of, you know, I, I didn't think I'd ever be in that situation. I, I didn't know until I was in that situation that I didn't want to die or possibly die. I get it, but you're, I mean, you're not signing up to, you're not signing up to be a nurse. You're not signing up to be a car mechanic. You're signing up to be a police officer to uphold and defend the laws and stop bad things from happening. Yeah. And that's what you are signing up for. And that's what you get training for. So um, it, it is what it is. And I, I still revert back to the training. The training portion of it is so critical. If, if I was in a situation right now, right now in my, in my wife's office where I heard shots, I wouldn't call anybody. I wouldn't call my agency and be like, I'm in the middle of a, a office building and there's shots being fired. Can I go, uh, you know, engage the activity? Now, in my training, when we were doing training scenarios and we heard random shots without being warned, we immediately went into action. We immediately went like that was, that's what's ingrained in my mind. So that's what's going to happen. And it's almost training to a fault. One mm -hmm. time I was with my wife in the car and we were just driving down the road and there was a car who turned down the street that we were on and they immediately got into our side of the road and they were coming at us at a really fast pace. So I stopped the car and when they got close, I reached for my gun and I was getting ready to draw out. But then they, they quickly shifted over to the other side of the road and waved and went by. And my wife was like, what? <laughs> what is going on why did you do that like what were you going to do shoot them and i said yeah. that was an act of threat yeah it's like in my fun. eyes <laughs> right in my eyes that was an act of threat and i was about to engage right so i have like the training that i have received has put me to where i am expecting that at all times whether it's somebody not paying attention on the road or if it's somebody coming into an office building about to shoot everybody like I'm, and then like, I'm not saying that every person listening to this podcast needs to go get training. Do I think it's a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not train and be prepared for those things? You never but, know. I mean, it could, it could happen downtown anywhere now. Right. You just never know. I know um, thinking back in the day when I was, very young in my law enforcement career, still wearing a uniform. Mm -hmm. Your mom used to want to meet for lunch. And uh, after about two of those meetings, she says, I ain't doing this no more. You don't pay no attention to nothing but everybody else but me, you know? And I'm like, I know, you know, I, it's just hard when you, when you wear that uniform. And back then the random shooter stuff wasn't as popular but you constantly were in that mentality when you were wearing the uniform because you, in my opinion, are ready to act should anything happen. And um, that's just how it was. 
you know, and I agreed with her. Yeah, I can't do this anymore because you're right. I'm not hearing nothing you're saying, and I'm watching everybody but you. So yeah, it's um it's an unusual thing. And in 19, I think it was 1999 when Columbine was really the first mass school shooting. Yeah, and I may be wrong, but um, the one that seems to have grabbed the headlines and started this whole. Um, revision of school safety and emergency operation plans and preparedness and so forth. Right after that shooting, I was tasked by law enforcement leadership to write a plan that included something to do with emergency preparedness, a preparedness plan, evacuation, action plan. And even back then, that plan never said, stand by and call for help or stand by and wait for help it didn't include it and that was 1999 and here we are when was marjorie stoneman 2019 2020 yeah 20 years later yeah and we're still having problems with that yeah you know um i will say this we normally don't talk about agencies by name and cities and locations and things um, but I will say, because I've heard this on the news, I've saw, I've seen the press conferences, but the Polk County Sheriff's Office in Lakeland, Florida, will train you if you come to them. They will train you on what you need to know to have a preparedness plan, how to react, what it looks like. And I think I heard uh, the sheriff say they will send people to you. If you can't afford to come to them, they will send people to you mm -hmm. and they will train you in how to handle this thing, help you write a plan, put the things in place to honor the oath that we're talking about today. Now, back in the day and maybe still today, Again, I'm thinking Marjorie Stoneman, that guy that ran the school resource officer, what he was three months away from retirement. Yep. School resource officer jobs used to be a dumping ground for officers for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. It was a good place to put people who uh, are about ready to retire so they can ride out the last few months or maybe a year and keep them out of harm's way. Well, obviously, since Columbine and um, everything since then, um, that's not necessarily true. Schools as big a target as a sporting event or uh, any other a concert, uh, any of these other uh, shootings that we've had. So that's not going to work. You got a guy who's going to sit there and make a decision. Oh, boy, let's see. I hear something. Dang, I just bought that boat. Sure like Bill to, you know, enjoy it. Um, is he going to act or is he going to jeopardize everything he's worked for for 25 years and lose it all because of a, a school shooter? You know, schools cannot be a dumping ground for um, retirees on the verge of retirees. Right. Schools, uh, I've known of uh, a school resource officer who was put there because there were problems in execution of the job duties in the public. Uh, he was terrified of everybody and he was pulling guns on all kinds of people. Uh, every time he went to a call, if he got scared, he pulled a gun. Mm. And then at some point ended up shooting somebody. 
did not kill them, but ended up shooting them. And it was like, dude's off the chain. Um, what are we going to do with him? How about get rid of him? This isn't the job for him. And instead, he was in put in the school. And the problems don't go away just because you remove the officer from the situation they got themselves into um, because the, the problems are still there. And there were problems there where he went. And finally, he was let go. But why keep these people when this isn't a job for everybody? You can't just pin the badge on, give me the keys to the car, and I'm going to do my job. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And the reason there was a kind of a political grandstanding going on, you know, you've got these schools that want an officer in there. You've got a shortage of manpower on the streets. You can't put your good officers who know how to negotiate and, and handle themselves well on the street in those kinds of jobs, number one, because they'll quit. They don't want to work in a school. They want to be on the road where the action is and where their skill sets are better suited to resolve the situation. And you can't make them do that. Besides that, you're taking somebody off the street where every day it might be a light and siren kind of call. And you want your best people that can handle that kind of situation there and not necessarily stuck in a school. Now, I'm not degrading the value of having someone in the school by any means. But back in the day, that was the thought process. Now the schools are just as important as anywhere else and should have been just as important back then. But we didn't know that the school shootings were going to become a thing. We had no clue. And if we had, we certainly, um, the best minds in law enforcement would not have let it happen. So the dumping ground, and I hate to use that word too, but that's exactly what it was. Somebody doesn't fit in the regular scope of law enforcement duty, stick them in the school. They can't hurt nobody there. Mm. Well, their inactions we've seen have hurt a lot of people. The ability not to act. So, um, I don't know. That's um, That's just something people have to work around and now Unfortunately, we have to because of the nature of the business, the nature of society right now. You know, you have to remember that officers who aren't reliable in one area are not going to be reliable in another area. You know, it doesn't, the problems don't go away just because you moved them. So, um, yeah, the problems may not, they won't go away. They need to be worked on. So whether the, that person is in, uh, in the streets, in an evidence room, in the uh, in school, wherever they are. I mean, it's not a matter of just moving them to fix the issue. It's not even, that's not even band-aiding the problem. That's just straight up putting the problem somewhere else. And so the, the thing needs to be fixed is we're gonna evaluate the core, the core value, like, does this person actually want to uphold their oath? Right. Two, are they willing to go through training to fix these issues and and mitigate some of this risk? And then three, if if the first two were no, then it's time to get rid of them. Like, you just need to get rid of them. And 
it's not and that's not a quick decision like it's not as quick as i just said it no. that's a long process and you you have to you have to give them every chance to remedy their issues but if they're not willing to do it then it's not worth somebody else's life to keep them around yeah or even your peers i mean your peers count on you to have their back what are you going to do run i mean did the oath change? Oh, okay. You're all right. We're going to move you from uh, the street. We're going to put you in the school. It's an elementary school. You should be able to handle them little brats, you know, that kind of thing. And the truth is it's not the brats that are the problem. It's the mean people coming into the school that you're supposed to stand between right. the good and the evil. And um, the oath didn't change. You still have an oath that you've got to, uphold even though you're assigned to a school zone or evidence room or wherever you are assigned the oath stays the same there's not a new oath for okay i promise to protect and defend those little rascals man best i can bring them you know lollipops and popcorn every day you know that it doesn't change the oath is still there and it's still serious um so i don't you know i don't know i think um it was a bad practice back in the day and we should have learned from it back in the day. And we have discovered, and this was in the sheriff's conference um, on the, on the news that when the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting took place, a statewide effort was put in place to bring all school districts in the state of Florida, the most up-to-date, best training you can get to combat uh, this kind of situation keeps from happening again. Every school district in the state was on board except one. The very last one to join up and do something was the school district that Marjorie Stoneman Douglas um, sits in. And that was after the shooting. They should have been the first ones to sign up, but right. they weren't. And I cite that because it's in the news. It's on, you know, if you look up the news, I'm not making it up. Um, the attitude of school districts need to change, and we need to get them um, to see the urgency of it if they haven't already. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna call this one um, good for right now. We'll pick up again on our next episode. Um, go into a couple other things that we think might be feeding some of this and uh, some observations that we uh, can put forth out there for discussion on how to remedy it as well. And then I have one, um, I've got one good case where I worked a situation where um, fits right into all this as well. So uh, be sure and tune in for the next episode. Uh, we'll have some more information for you and some more talking points and be sure and leave us a message. If you like, agree, have other opportunities to voice any concerns or questions, let us know. We'll be glad to answer them for you. Yeah, we are. We're excited to hear from you guys. So just leave us a comment, uh, give us a rating, send us a message, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, email. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, so you can go check that out. Uh, if you're only listening to this, you get to go look at our beautiful faces as we <laughs> talk about this stuff so go check it out and uh we're we're so happy to 
have you guys here and we'll talk to you next time on criminal motives. All right. Take care. See you next week.